and welcome to the MTM Vegas podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Mark Osterman. We have a great show for you today. As a reminder, you can watch this show along with all the visuals that go with it at youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. We release two shows a week on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube, and you can also listen to them here on the podcast. As a reminder, we now have our Patreon live, patreon.com forward slash MTM Vegas. You get the weekly after show, a lot of fun there. You can watch it or listen to it as a podcast as well. Hope to see you over there, patreon.com forward slash MTM Vegas. If you like the show, consider leaving a five-star review in your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It helps us out a lot. And for all of our Vegas content, that's posts, podcasts, and videos, head to mtmvegas.com. Thanks for listening. Let's hit it. So Mark, did you see that video of that woman multitasking, playing the machines? She's invented a new system. She's in her uh, scooter, just circling around, hitting the buttons, having fun, probably winning some jackpots, hopefully winning some jackpots. What do you say? I mean, it just makes me wonder, is there still scooter gangs out there? You know, you don't hear about it as much as you did during the pandemic of people renting these Amigos and just driving around, which I don't think this lady is one of them. But who's better? Scooter lady or hot bunny guy that was doing this? I don't know. Yeah, it's really hard. But I I feel like she has the ability to keep it up for a lot longer, right? She can go for hours and hours. She can marathon it. And, uh, you know, the casinos don't like those scooter gangs, but I think they approve of this use of the scooters. <laughs> she can go on for hours and hours. <laughs> she just keeps going and going and going. She's the energizer bunny of uh, gamblers, I guess. We haven't talked about Excalibur in a while, and our friend C-Note, he's our reporter on the Excalibur quote-unquote Dirty Castle beat. He sent us pictures of the new center bar. They announced this summer that they're building it. It's in the center of the casino, uh, as the name would sort of indicate. Doesn't look like anything too fancy because it's Excalibur, but they are getting something new in an age where they haven't seen any love. People saying they should tear it down. You are getting it. And C-Note went over there. He took some pictures. He also pulled back the curtain, or somebody did, so thanks for uh, showing us that. I think it's good. Anything new is an improvement at Excalibur. Yeah, I'm, I'm just surprised it took this long because it's just a regular looking bar in the center. Like, there's nothing special about it. It's not loungy or anything. It's just kind of a circular bar like you see at most casinos. But it's good for them to have another option there and to see them put some money into uh, Excalibur, the Dirty Castle, is pretty impressive. You wouldn't expect it. So I'm glad to do it. And I'm, I'm just happy for C-Note, you know, that he gets this finally. Yeah, he finally has something to cover, right? That's his uh, his beat, his favorite property. And now he gets to show all the new hotness. So I'm sure uh, we'll get out there and see it when it opens. The TVs are on. It looks like within the next couple of weeks, it should be open to the public. So that's uh, good to see. So Bob Dingo posted more videos from Fountain Blue Rooms. So I wanted to highlight that a little bit and look at the standard room a little bit. But he also has a couple suites and a standard room on their floor de Lee level, which is their sort of upgraded level. So go check out all those videos on his channel. Support him. Bob Dingo doing good. What do you think of the standard rooms? I like the design, the color, all that stuff, carpet, everything looked nice. I would say I think there's like too much furniture in there. It feels like they crammed a lot of chairs and tables and couches and it's a big room and it makes it feel small and cramped. I don't know anybody that hangs out with like seven people in their standard king room that you need all that. So it just feels a bit too much. Uh, what did you think? That was exactly the same thought I had. I was like, this is way too cluttered. It makes it feel sort of cramped. Uh, I just stayed at the Cosmo standard room, which is about the same size, around 460 square feet. It feels so much bigger. I, well, obviously, I haven't been inside the Fountain Blue room, but just because of the way the furniture is, just thought it looked kind of uh, cramped in there. I do like the way they look. So I like the art. 
In the bathroom, I like the bathroom a lot. Has that giant shower, although, you know, no shower curtain or door. Just put a door, no door. on there. Enough with this open shower stuff. We've tried this experiment for like 10 <laughs> or 15 years and it doesn't work. At least it looks like it's somewhat deep enough. I love the showers that have like this much of a glass and you're like, okay, so I'm just going to get everything wet. This is awesome. So at least it looks somewhat deep, but even so, like at Nobu, they had a really deep one and it still gets water out there. Uh, that's probably the best setup I've ever seen in Vegas for the, the showerless door or the doorless shower uh, was Nobu, but even that was kind of a pain. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. Maybe it saves a little bit of money, less cleaning. I don't know. Yeah, Caesars has like 12-inch glass or something. It's so small on the renovated rooms in their buildings that they've been renovating uh, over the years. Hey, 12 so inches is big. look better. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it is a great shower. I want to say it's a nice big shower. Uh, the rooms look nice. There's other sweets things, so check out Bob Dingo's channel, and he can show you the rest. One thing I noticed in the suite, did you see the, the couch that was divided by, like, this huge column? So you can't even see people on one side of the couch to the other. It would be so awkward, like, if you had that full. Like, you'd have to lean over the couch and be like, hey, how's it going over there? Did you see the traffic? Like, apparently, there's been some serious issues with traffic. And this has been happening with construction workers, anecdotally, since months ago. But all of the workers are starting to descend on there, which is causing backups onto the Strip onto paradise it's getting really ugly to get employees into that lot so i think that they're gonna have to figure out some stuff to fix it there is still some construction going on which is hurting things it's still gonna be pretty bad for a while so avoid that area during shift changes i suppose yeah and we're not even getting people staying there or gambling there or anything so it's kind of crazy and the last thing i want to deal with on my way to work is getting stuck in a traffic jam like 0.1 miles away from where i need to be it's just frustrating and it kind of sets the tone for the day that if you're working, you know, with guests and stuff, you're already kind of aggravated and upset because you've been sitting out there for 15 minutes, you know, needlessly. So hopefully they get it figured out. It could be really a big mess if they don't. One last Fountain Blue related thing. John Mahaffey says a source says that they're going to open December 13th at 1145 p.m. So after the party, kind of like what Resorts World did. So that's a little different than what we had heard that they're going to open the morning of the 14th. So that's good, Mark. If that happens, I can go early in the morning on the 14th and film like I did with Resorts World. That was my first thought, like the 5 a.m., Sean walkthrough video tour. I'm excited for it. As a reminder, we have our Patreon going. We do an after show every week. You can listen to it. You can watch it. Patreon.com forward slash MTM Vegas. Thanks to everybody who supports us over there. So casino.org did a uh, survey. They went through TripAdvisor reviews, trying to find what's the luckiest casino. So they kind of looked at different search terms within reviews. I don't know if this is the most scientific method to determine which uh, properties are you know, the luckiest, especially because there's different demographics. I feel like a higher end hotel, you're going to get less people going to TripAdvisor to talk about their winnings than you would with a, a lower end hotel. I don't know. But the unluckiest casino in Las Vegas, apparently, according to these reviews, is Resorts World. In fact, a lot of the reviews said people were unlucky. So they did the opposite of saying, I'm lucky. They said, I'm unlucky there. But other properties like Wynn scored pretty low and the best, Mirage. The soon to no longer be Mirage, sad. But uh, yeah, I mean, I only gambled once or twice in Resorts World. Both times did not go well, but... That's kind of Vegas for me, you know, so <laughs> I don't I don't think it really matters. The odds are the odds for the most part. I mean, sometimes you feel luckier at a place. Oyo is that place for me or the old Hooters, uh, you know, the, just walking in, you just feel like things are going to go well. So I understand that. But the reality of it is it, it's all the same.
Yeah, that was my thought too. It's like I wouldn't go to TripAdvisor and write a review about luck or not luck. But I mean, it is all the same, true, but there are some casinos with better games and better payouts and stuff like that. But when it comes to the strip, I feel like, yeah, it's pretty uh, interchangeable. It's more about the rewards programs, about the properties uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, check this article out. They have a full list. You can see their terminology, see sort of how they dived in and there's 15 different casinos ranked. So Durango is finally like ramping up their social media as is Fountain Blue, which is really nice to see. So you should follow both those properties on X or Instagram or wherever because they're putting out really cool videos and kind of hype before they open. And Durango showed how they have to test their entire tower, the water to make sure there's no leaks or floods or anything. So at one point they had to have employees in every room, turn on the showers, flush the toilets, do all of this at the exact same time to make sure it all works. Kind of makes you think it's going to be quite an operation if they have to do the same thing at fountain blue yeah i I just wonder you know it's never all going to flush at the same time so it seems like overkill but kudos to them for doing it and then you know is it really a vegas hotel if it didn't cause a leak i don't know (laughs) yeah what are they trying to do maybe they were just trying to you know get the leak out of the way I don't know, but this is neat. I didn't ever really think about this. It makes sense. You want to put like the maximum load on your pipes and make sure everything is working if everybody's using it at the same time. So it makes perfect sense, but I had never even heard of this or seen this. But I wonder, I'm assuming every hotel sort of does this when they open. Yeah, that would be my thought. It makes a lot of sense and you want to kind of catch the issues before they become a problem. Like how bad would it be to have opening night and then all of a sudden a wall bursts open when water flies everywhere? Kind of like the Atlantis and the Bahamas when you were there. So, you know, like you don't want to come in with a sloppy, uh, wet floor after a, a night of having fun. So uh, kudos to them for doing it. And then, you know, Fountain Blue, hopefully they share a video too. That'd be cool to see. Durango, just a couple days away from opening. I'm here in Orlando, so I won't see it right away, but we'll get to see it next week. I'm so excited. There's updates for the Sphere. They finally announced that Fish, quote unquote, residency, maybe not a residency. It's four shows that they've announced so far. And what they've said is that each show is going to be different. So different songs, different set lists. That was sort of rumored before, so that is true. And we don't know if they're going to add other shows in the future. Usually that's the case. But for now, four shows, each show different. And you can pre-register for tickets. So basically what you do is you go to the site, you tell which shows you want, you pick the number of tickets, you commit with your credit card to buying the tickets, and then if you're chosen in the lottery, they will send them to you. So I'm considering doing it. I'm not a Fish fan, but I've heard they do amazing shows, so the visuals would be good. But also it's strange because we always were told that how expensive it is to develop these types of shows. So four unique shows in four nights, you got to think they're going to do this more than once. Yeah, that's what I thought was weird. One, that they're doing a different show each night, which is kind of cool because you can get people maybe to do all four shows buy tickets for each if they can if they're big fans i think that would make sense so you're getting that you know adding demand to it but also on the flip side you have to create all this stuff which is like you know cost what 10 million dollars for you two just to make their one static show so i don't know how they're going to do this four times and only four shows you know they're going to have to add something down the line and i would imagine they want to sell out these four and then they'll announce more that's the only thing that makes sense financially yeah and i could see them just doing sets of four right you have this four shows and you develop them and then Every couple times a year, you come in for a weekend, a long weekend, and you do your four shows. So this could be like an ongoing set of four shows, but we will see. It is uh, strange and unique, and hopefully we'll see more announcements for Sphere soon. We also got some news from Spiegel World. Ross Mollison, who's sort of the founder, I think he he's the actual owner, but he produces Absinthe uh, and everything, and Opium that's closing at Cosmo. But he talked about 
the F1 effect on shows, saying that his shows lost about half a million dollars over the weekend. He estimates Cirque lost a ton. So he's just talking about how in future years, he loves F1, but we need to balance out the crowds and keep the non-F1 people coming to Vegas during that weekend instead of staying away. Because as we talked about, some places were great. MGM said they had record hotel revenue, the best weekend of hotel revenue ever. So on that end, you have good stuff, but a lot of people and uh, businesses got kind of caught in the middle. Yeah, I think this is exactly what we said after it happened, you know, that high-end hotels and casinos did well. Everybody else, small businesses, shows, lower-end hotels and casinos, and then everybody like in the outskirts, Fremont Street, all that stuff that isn't in the main corridor probably did horribly. And that's, you know, a big part of it is a lot of people didn't want to go, like I've said, I'll never go there during F1 because of all the craziness until they figure out how to get the roads, you know, done well and not have it be a cluster of traffic and everything getting to and from the airport and just around the strip. You know, I don't want to spend an hour and a half in a Uber trying to go four miles. So I understand that. And he said they didn't really do a good job to curb that, but I don't know that they could have because what are they going to say? Like, Hey, it's not going to be that bad, but it was. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what solutions they come up with to quote unquote, bridge the haves and the have nots. I saw somebody referred to it that way. And uh, that sort of seems to be what they need to do. And they're going to try to do that. So we'll see if they're successful in future years. So the Netflix show obliterated just debuted. And this is a show that takes place in Las Vegas. Not the best show in the world. It's very campy. I watched the first episode last night. Uh, It's about a, a special force team that's in Las Vegas to stop a suitcase nuclear bomb. So first off, we don't need TV shows about nuclear bombs going off in Las Vegas. Some of us live there. We don't want to imagine uh, this scenario actually playing out. But it is a very like over-the-top show, weird. There's a lot of interiors with CGI exteriors, so a lot of it wasn't filmed in Las Vegas. But if you are like me and nerdy and like Las Vegas shows, I guess maybe you should watch it. It's, like I said, not the best thing in the world. Yeah, I watched the previews and it looked pretty terrible. So <laughs> I don't know that I'll put the time into it unless I'm, you know, kind of hard up to find some type of show to entertain me. But I'd rather see the zombie uh, movie 2.0 come out. I thought that was a cooler idea. But I mean, you guys are just where the world goes to end, I guess, you know, nuclear bombs and, and zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny to watch some of the interiors that you can tell they'll use an exterior shot of a casino. It's not that. You can tell they're on a soundstage. All the hotel rooms are on sound stages, and they're using like screens for the windows to simulate. So it never makes sense where the window is showing because it's different geography all the time. That's nothing new for Vegas TV shows, but it's just meant to be like this campy action. There's some, you know, adult themes and other things that kind of play into Vegas too. So I don't know if you should check it out. This you, is not an mean, endorsement, but... You mean like 21 where you, they were at the Hard Rock and had a perfect view of the Bellagio Fountains? <laughs> Maybe somebody out there has put in all the times that Las Vegas geography has been just messed up in movies. And I don't know if there's ever been a movie or TV show that has gotten it right, right? Because they just play with the... Uh, they play with their shots, right? Because they want to show this and that and you know get all the highlights in there. But that's the latest Vegas thing, Obliterated, Netflix. Check it out if you want. And Mark, we have to talk about this NBA drama. So this week, Miriam Adelson announced that she's going to sell $2 billion worth of stock uh, from Las Vegas Sands. She currently owns about 56% of the company through personal control or a trust. And after this, she'll own about 52. So she still has basically a controlling 
ownership of Las Vegas Sands, but she said she was going to buy a major sports franchise and then a couple days later announced that she's going to become majority owner of the Dallas Mavericks, buying Mark Cuban's stake, although he still retains some ownership and control of the team. So the rumor came out that the Mavericks were moving to Las Vegas, which is just the most insane thing. It's not happening. This is why would the Mavericks, the Dallas Mavericks move to Las Vegas instead of the NBA expanding here? Makes no sense. But a big sort of casino owner is getting into the NBA space in Dallas. Yeah, a couple things with the story blew my mind. One, that she sold stock, you know, for $2 billion and it it was like 2%. <laughs> what she owns dropped by like only 2%, which is an insane amount of money. And then two, that she's the majority stakeholder, shareholder, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, but Mark Cuban still has control. I don't know how that plays out, you know, like... Maybe for now, but if you own more of the team, if he does bad, you could probably push him out, I would imagine. I don't know. It just seems strange for him to give it up because that's so much of Mark Cuban's identity. Uh, I, I was surprised that he would sell a chunk, but maybe it's ironclad and he's in it you know, for the long run. And, and then Dallas, yeah, I don't see them moving. I think the Mavericks have a really good fan base and have always been well-supported, even when they were terrible before Mark Cuban bought it. So I think uh, you know they're going to be there for a while. Dallas is a huge city. I, I don't see it moving at all. And this comes at a time where there's rumors that some of the top executives at Las Vegas Sands may be part of the ownership group looking to get the NBA team. So, you know, that could be related, not related. These are different people than her. So, uh, but we do know that that's continuing and there's rumors swirling about that Oakview Group $10 billion project, including the NBA arena on the South Strip. But we know that we're a few years away from the NBA announcing any expansion, but it would be absolutely insane to move a successful team like the Dallas Mavericks to Las Vegas why would the owners approve that? She doesn't have control. Remember, in these leagues, all the owners have to approve moving a team, and it just doesn't make any sense. But Mark Cuban, I think he 10x'd his investment uh, based on the valuation on what she bought in at compared to what he bought the team for 15, 20 years ago. So as usual, Mark Cuban, he started his broadcast.com, sold it for like a billion dollars, and it was basically worthless and made so many great investments along the way. But Miriam Adelson, did you know she's the 24th richest person in the United States with a net worth of over $32 billion? Uh, she is, of course, Sheldon Adelson's uh, widow as he passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's mine staggering numbers. You know, you don't expect it. It's always fun when you see these lists of like top 50 wealthiest people in the world. And there's a few people that you've never heard of on there. Uh, obviously, we've heard of her because we cover Vegas, but a lot of people probably have no clue who she is. So it's it's always funny to see that list and see where people got their money and and connect the dots that way. And as a reminder, Las Vegas Sands does not have any properties in Las Vegas. They are based in Las Vegas, but they no longer own the Venetian or Palazzo, so or the Sphere or the Convention Center. So they just are a basically Macau, Singapore. Those are their big markets, but they are Las Vegas Sands. Maybe they'll own the NBA team or their executives will here in Las Vegas. We will see. But a fun week uh, in speculation. But I, yeah, that was one rumor that just I shook my head at. Let us know what you guys think about the NBA. Are the Mavericks going to move to Las Vegas? I don't think so. That Netflix show, did you see that? The Fountain Blue Standard Rooms. Anything else we talked about, hit us up in the comments. We do two shows a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. And we'll be back in a couple days with another show. Hit us up on Patreon as well. Thanks so much for watching. Talk to you next time. Have a good weekend, everybody.